This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian, tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things but at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. Shouldn't you be at work? Clean sheet, I call it, is uh, one of the most important things in, in football. Nice to see home fans booing you. Emil Heskey, could it be five? Yes, it is! Paul Bowden to take it. Oh, and he's hit the crossbar! Gerard, it's Carroll! What a goal by the England striker! That's why he was brought in and he's done the job. Saved! John Pickford! England on the brink! Now, you know him better than anybody probably. Do you back him to score quickly, yes or no? Yes. Oh, oh he No! Hello and welcome to Quickly Kevin, will he score? The World Cup is almost upon us. Welcome to episode two of our World Cup previews. This one focuses on the teams. I'm Chris Skoll. Joining me as always, Josh Whittacombe. Hello. And here's Michael Marden. I was thinking of doing a pun, but I don't, I, I've got this thing and I don't know what it is, but you just tell me. I, I was trying to pun on like a, a classic World Cup player and I've just ended up with this. Broline, 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 Broline. I'm begging of you, please don't eat that flan. Oh, that's nice. That's nice. I thought you'd only got the first thing. But yeah. (laughs) That's not bad, yeah. I'm I'm, 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 to start. That's good. (laughs) (laughs) I've just got to have this thing and I don't know what it is, but there we've shared it now. Thomas Brolin has got a weird reputation, hasn't he? Like, because he was great, but just because he wasn't very good when he came to England. As if there'd be you, you're obsessed with this Palmer team. No, no, I'm not. He was also good for Sweden. He was not good for Crystal Palace. He was not good for Leeds. He was good for four weeks in the summer of 94. I maintain this. And 92. And 92. But he didn't score many goals, did he? 
That's the, my problem well, with Broly. I think he knocked England out of Euro 92. He suffers from the touch of the Baggios. Overrated. Last night there was a BBC4 documentary about the original Ronaldo, as you have to call him now. But now we're topical, we can talk about this. Do you think, I was thinking, the new Ronaldo has really kind of shamed himself and kind of destroyed his legacy. In five years, when you, if you go up to someone and go, do you remember Ronaldo? Well, they think, oh, you must be in the original Ronaldo because the second Ronaldo is just a disgrace at this point. Do you know what I mean? Um, I think that's already happening. I don't think it will define him in the same way it defined Pierre Van Hoydonk when he went on strike. <laughs> I think he's got too much other stuff in the bank. But I'd hate him to win the World Cup, to bring it back to the World Cup. I mean, we can talk about this now, we're topical, but have you seen this? the footage of Ronaldo meeting the rest of the Portuguese team? And there's, there's, you can see there's a tense atmosphere. Oh, I've heard about this. Bruno Fernandes just shakes his hand. Yeah, just shakes his hand and like does that thing where he kind of shakes his hand, but it's like I'm saying hello, but we've got we need to chat. Like we've got. Well, it's, it's awkward, isn't it? Because he hasn't thought through. He's thought I don't have to go back to Man U for a month. It's fine, but then he's yeah. forgotten that there's a Man U player in the Portugal squad. <laughs> and then there was footage of him and Jao Cancelo on the training field, and Cancelo just doesn't want to talk, engage with him. He's like looking away. And Ronaldo's like, what? What's up? What's up? And he's like, get off me, get off me kind of thing. Well, he's Man City, so surely he doesn't give a fuck, right? But, but my my reading of the situation was like, is he annoyed that Ronaldo's bringing all these negative vibes into the Portuguese camp? He's like, what have you done? Why did you do that on the verge of a World uh, Cup? Why right. have you done that? Yeah, yeah, I that, don't know. that is complete speculation, but ultimately that's what you're getting on this podcast. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think it leads us nicely into the first... Because we want to chat about England and other teams, other nations. But I thought a nice way of starting uh, the England chat was um, that photo of England, which... Uh, have you seen the, fo- the the team group photo that was released of England's yeah. team? Have you seen that, Michael? Yeah, yeah. I think it's... I mean, there's so much to unpack. I'm excited to I talk love about it. this. <laughs> I love it. I imagine, though... We're not all going to be on the same page with this. Shall I? <laughs> shall I mount? Shall I mount the? Um, no pun intended. Uh, the case for the defence. I think it sums up everything that's been great about England in the last four years. The palliness. <laughs> the Jesus. the fact they're doing things differently. The fact I was watching uh, the Sky three-part documentary about um, Italia ninety, and it showed them having their fo- the classic photo, which we all like, which I of them all crammed on the stairs getting into the plane or getting out of the plane. Love that photo. And they said, we were in such bad spirits getting onto that plane because of the way the press was treating us. And I think people have got such short memories for it's only in the last few years that the England team have all got on and all been mates and all yeah. been a fun team and you follow them on Instagram and they're having a laugh and it's four years ago they would have been all stood in their shirts and ties and jackets not getting on that's what I'm saying Interesting. like you yeah. it's so quick to forget what the England team was like for 25 years they hated each <laughs> other and didn't really get on and two tournaments them getting on and suddenly we're like yeah yeah that's what I expect actually I think it's a bit naff so, um, so that's my take on it. That's sure. You've actually, that's such a good take. It's actually changed my mind about it. You're absolutely right. Good. Wow. That's never happened on this podcast. Yeah, actually, <laughs> I thought, yeah, don't, don't worry. I'm coming up the rear. 
You're right, though. I'm just looking at other England suit photos, and it's like they're all so miserable, hands on their knees, and like it's all so formal. That now they think they seem they genuinely seem to enjoy each other's company, and not just that photo shoot. I don't think that is a moment in time because I don't know if you've seen the footage. There was a little ceremony that they had at the FA to give them their their squad numbers for the World Cup, and it was a lovely little touch. I, d- I saw Declan Rice was given his number four shirt, and it was and within the box as you opened it up, it showed all the other players that have worn number four at a World Cup. Oh, yeah. One of them, sadly, was Eric Dyer, which does take the shine off a little bit. But, um, <laughs> but it, was, it was a lovely time. And you could see the camaraderie. There was rounds of applause after each one, and Prince William was there handing it over. And you're like, yeah, you're right about that photo is emblematical of this wider change that's happened, this cultural shift where they all get on. Yeah. You know, could, I, if anything, I would argue maybe they're too pally. But Well, do you remember in 2016 when we were absolutely uh, dire... Once again, no pun intended. I'm going to try to get all 22 England, 26 England surnames in. But, um, and everyone was like, why can't they be more like the Welsh team who are just like chilled out and they're all in it together and they're all kind of open and stuff. And that has happened and we've got bored of it. But here comes Michael. To, here comes Fabio Capello to offer his views. Well, I obviously don't disagree with what you said and the sentiment of what you said. I think that's the biggest change and I think the biggest force for good that Southgate has had on the landscape of the England team is exactly that, that kind of mentality, that camaraderie, a sort of like a joy and a pride in wearing that shirt and playing for the England team. But I just think it's a bit of a stretch to say that that photo encapsulates and represents all of that, and it's unattackable for those reasons. That picture, when I saw it, it looks to remind me of two things. One, you know, they sort of like really eggy kind of like variety or like Rolling Stone, big glossy American magazine photo yeah. shoots they'll do sort of Double spread. Pre, pre-award shows where it'll be like, yeah, here yeah, are yeah. all the nominees or, you know, yeah, it's, yeah, a, yeah. it's a reunion of the Cheers cast 20 years later. yeah, yeah. yeah. And you know some of those people aren't happy to be there. You know they don't yeah. share the sort of same level of sentiment. Looking at this picture, there's one person in particular on the far right. He is guffawing. Like, whatever's going on behind the camera is the funniest thing he's ever seen. Is it Connor Cody? Well, he's laughing because he can't believe he's there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've got some, I've got some, um, I've got some goss on Connor Cody. I've got, yeah. some, I've got some ins with the FA. And one of the things, because uh, I was asking about the likelihood of Jared Bowen going, and Jared Bowen had a good chance because I was told that Gareth Southgate likes good travellers. And it, Connor Cody is a good traveller. And a good traveller is someone who's not necessarily going to be playing all the time, but is just fantastic around the dressing room. Like Southgate, So that's Cody's role, really. He's, th- like, yeah. he's a great squad player. I think I'd be fun and, around the dressing and, room. And, and look at the banter in this photo. There you go. Yeah. He's exhibiting his, his major that, That's Connor Cody, absolutely. So <laughs> laugh at your jokes. Can I ask one more question about this photo? There's two different options on the white top. So some yes. have just got the, t- the T-shirt and some have got the, the zip-up top. Do you think they had free choice? Like... Very few have gone zip up. Which would you have gone for? I think I like the shirt. I think looking at it, I'd have, I'd have gone t-shirt. Yeah, I would not, yeah. Gone, not gone zip up. I don't think this photo feels... It doesn't feel sincere. There's something about it that's just <laughs> too staged. I feel like I'm looking at a photo of the royal family who are trying to kid me. They're like, hey, guys, we're all fun. Like, this is all good. It's all, it's all positive. I just... 
I'd really like, you know, a David Batty in the middle there. Someone who's just like, I want no part of this. I, I also don't believe okay. that that is all one take. I don't believe they got everyone to smile. But I, I was wondering right whether it's composite. Do you think it's they're... got to be a composite? That that many people getting them to so, look in yeah. the right place, and all not one of them have their eyes blinking. Not one of them like but have their balls out as a bit of banter. But that's like... all right, isn't it? That, it's twenty twenty two. I don't know. I don't know. I, don't know. Some, I, wanna, I wanna see a key in a sock. I wanna see a car key in someone's sock. But this <laughs> is too it's too sterile. It's too polished this for me. It's the opposite of sterile. Oh, look at it. Yeah. Can I make some so deep analytical, analytical uh, observations on this photo? I think it does portray some of their real personalities. Phil Foden with his arms his arms around Calvin Phillips and Harry Kane, like the young cousin in a family yeah. photo, isn't he? Like, the, 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 like a bit of a wide, you know, he's going to be mouthy. Uh, he's a bit, How a bit long of fun, are his arms? His arms are over <laughs> Kevin Phillips' <Yeah>. shoulder. <laughs> It's, Phillips, it's, yeah. it's, oh, sorry, I have a Calvin Phillips shoulder. That it's, would be a long. That would be a long arm. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's that can't be real. No. Yeah. Um, what about the yeah. positioning of Harry Kane and Jordan Henderson? You know, they're they're the teachers' pets, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, they're yeah, the yeah, prefects. Yeah, yeah. Like they yeah. sat there, like, and Harry Kane. He's like he wants to be part of the lads with Phil Foden, but he knows he has this crushing responsibility of the captaincy. So he's got he lets the arm over his shoulder, but his hands are clasped together. The tension of like, yeah, he's too am I the, the teacher's pet? He's fucking knackered. Yeah, like, <laughs> I think Carl Walker has been dealt a really short hand there, isn't it? I think the people behind him are on a, on a stood on some kind of bench to give them a bit of height, and then the people in front are sat. It looks like he's chosen somewhere between. He's stood yeah. but not on the bench, so he's yeah. a foot shorter than James Madison. Also, yeah. I, I think we can all agree Harry Maguire has has been forgotten. And shoved at the <laughs> he's back. Got he's got a shadow across him. Isn't it interesting yeah. that basically they put all the exciting or high profile players down the front front and fucked off all the defenders and goalkeepers right at the oh, back. Yeah, fucking out the front. They've they've had to put Calvin Phillips down the front just to show that they're not showing favourites. But basically the front <laughs> row is you could do it by commercial earnings from front <laughs> to back. Yeah. The, the, the people most concerned with image rights are down the front. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's a lot of agents that have made a lot of points. <laughs> and then at the back is Kane, Stones, Dyer. Yeah. And Ramsdale. Ramsdale. And, and also, if you, if, you, if you look at um, James Madison on far left as you're looking at it, yeah. everyone else is sort of very tight-knit. There's not a, yeah. a breath of air between them. He, who I think by all accounts was the last addition to yeah, that yeah, squad, yeah. he played himself in. There's a real gap between him. Yeah, it's he's, like he's, he's almost just... Ashley Cole at Roma, isn't he? But yeah, he's physically yeah. just snuck into the squad and this photo. But that's <laughs> the view of this photo. This photo, there's so much to it. Do you know what, Do you know what? I take it? I take it back. I take it back. There's, there are so many layers to this. Southgate's sending so many messages. Look at Grealish as well. He's got his arm around Declan Ryle. And again, Grealish banter. That's what you expect. It's on brand for him. Yeah, do you think Mount? Do you think Mount is absolutely furious that his favourite person, Declan Rice, hasn't been put next to him? <laughs> they're hovering in the same. Yeah, they're, they're almost together, aren't they? Well, I think we should stop talking about this photo, but it does <laughs> start us on England. There's one one final detail, actually. I think if this is as prophetic as we're saying it is, this picture. If I don't know if you can see the um the case that uh, Saka is sat on. Yeah. There's some upside down writing in that says, I think, poor, poor, pa, pa. I think. Does it say poor part? P P O U P A R. Yeah. I think 
I think Gareth Southgate might be a time traveller and actually Portugal Paraguay is going to be the final of the World Cup. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is his way it's of letting us know. But do you know what I like about this, right? And the same thing about what uh, Chris said about the um, Prince William handing out the caps and stuff. What I love about Gareth Southgate is the way he looks after... Because they have a lot of time on their hands, the England managers. I'd say the England squad now, compared to what it was under Roy Hodgson, is the difference between... You know when you go to a wedding and there's loads of lovely details? They've done something fun with the place markers. The tables have got good names. They've got, like, you know... They've done interesting things. Gareth Southgate's across all the interesting details, making it as good as possible. Whereas Roy Hodgson was a wedding where you just turn up to the registry office and then you turn up to the hall and it could be anyone's wedding, if you know what I mean. I think that's what I like about him. He's He makes this experience exciting for the team. They're never bored. But let's let's move on to discuss how do we think England are going to do? Oh, the big question, really, isn't it? Without pun, I mean, without without getting into punditry, <laughs> without punditry, I, I, think... I don't want punditry. I want a feeling. Okay. <laughs> I want it based purely on a gut feeling that is okay. based on absolutely no facts. I'm going to go first. Yeah, badly. Yeah, badly. I've got, oh. I fear. I fear it. Oh, I God. I feel it in my marrow. We are going <laughs> to. I think we're going to win one group game. I yeah. think we'll draw which against. One? I think we'll draw against the Welsh. I'm not sure which one. I can see two draws and a win, but are very I, unconvincing. I, and then I think we go out in the the very first knockout round. Mystic Michael, Iran. Apparently, I know we're not getting into tactic, into, but I read that Iran are very defensive, and I thought that first game has got. 2010 written all. This group has got 2010 written all over it. Do you know what I mean? We've got USA again. I can just see I don't, us. I don't think it has got 2010 because wasn't 2010 was quite hard, wasn't it? Was it Uruguay? No, no, no. Was that it was 2014. 2010 was a draw was 2010? with Algeria. Oh, yeah. A draw yes, yeah. with the USA and then beating Slovenia or Slovakia. I can't even remember which one. <laughs> but we are so much. We are so much better than we were in 2010, and we're so much better than we were in 2014. It's a multifaceted team. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things but at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. The one, the one issue... What's your, what's your gut feeling, Chris? Yeah, so my gut feeling is, look, I think it's a crap group, and I think we should get... But we're better than Iran. We're better than the USA. I think home nations games are always awful. tight. Awful. They're, and they're awful. awful. Yeah, there's, there's not usually many goals. So I don't think we're going to get much off Wales. I think it's probably a point there. But we should beat... We should beat Iran and we should beat the US. So I think we're coming out of that group relatively easily. And then we're into the knockouts and anything is possible. So I'm not pessimistic. I am quite optimistic. I know results haven't been great, but I still think this is a good team with a lot of experience at top, top flight football. I, I, I've got the to very ask. peak of football competition. The Premier League is the best competition in the world. These guys are playing it every week. Anything is possible in a knockout. What They've does got that the mentality mean? now. What does that mean, anything is possible in a knockout? Some some of the things that have happened in recent years, like Spurs getting to the Champions League final, and right, yeah, 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 you know, it's any like it could open up. It could open up like anything is. We've beaten Germany. I don't think we're in a position now where England really have that far apart from the best teams in the world. And in in a game of football, anything can happen. So I'm not. I don't. I'm not. I'm not saying here we're going to win this. I'm saying we've got a chance, and that's how I feel about it. And I will be excited when we get to those knockouts and those games kick off. I'll be nervous, and I think. But I will be thinking we could do this. Yes. And who knows? And the thing is as well about to- knockout football in tournaments is like you get a bit of luck in one game, you might get through, and then suddenly you know it's like the great tournaments of the nineties, like Italian ninety and Euro ninety six. You could have a difficult start. You could have a, like, even a bad game in the knockouts, but something can happen, and the wave, you know, can carry you through. And anything, can, anything is possible at that point. That's what we need. So it's all, it's all to play for. I agree. How about you? Yeah. I've just got a bad feeling. I've just got a bad feeling. It, and I'm, I know that's based on nothing. And we're, the problem with having a feeling is when it goes with the feeling, you feel like you've got a superhuman ability. And when it doesn't go with the feeling, you forgot that you had the feeling. So, so it's a kind of win-win, isn't it? Saying, I've got a feeling. I've just got... And I'm, I'm not the first to say this. It feels like we're at the end of a cycle. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It doesn't feel dissimilar from Liverpool or dissimilar from kind of um, Arsene Wenger's last 10 years, but it's all, you know, grouped up because it's England. It feels like that. I hope I'm wrong, but it does raise the next question. How do you feel about whether this World Cup would be a good one? Do you think this could ever, with what it is, be a classic World Cup as an England fan because we're in Qatar. Uh, you raise yeah. an interesting point because it, this is, it does worry me a little bit. Like, if we win the World Cup, will it feel like a win? Jeremy, you know I mean? how feel much like we've worry won the is Cup? that, Chris? How it's yeah. quite a big one. What, that we're going to win the World Cup, but no, Sam, just like d- if yeah, I know. It's what for you the mean. same reason that I was a bit annoyed about the Euros, you know, because I was a bit like 
I hope this isn't our turn to host, you know, because it's not a real, yeah. it's not a real Euros in a way because they've split it everywhere. Like, I hope they're not sat there going, well, England have now done that. And in the same way, like, I just hope, in a weird way, if we do win it, will it feel right? Do you know what I mean? I don't, I mean, what do you, what do you think, Michael? It's hard not to believe that it wouldn't be tarnished for anyone. I think there'll always be a sort of an asterisk alongside it. I yeah. think the same could be said to a lesser extent about Russia previously, but everything about this one feels so much worse. Yeah. That you, you don't want this to be the World Cup that England wins. I don't think we're going to. But if it is, would it <laughs> would it diminish that? Oh. I think in the well, moment, no. Yeah. I think I think if England are in the final and we win that, the euphoria there will override it. But I think in the days, weeks, months and years to come, Think there'll be a real sense of ah, oh, that's a shame. I've, I've got an intro because obviously people are going to be going talk about bloody Italian ninety and Euro ninety six for God's sake. It's been twenty <laughs> minutes. <laughs> so, so obviously there's been lots of documentaries about the summer of Euro ninety six. There's currently a three part documentary on Channel Four and a three part documentary on Sky. Different documentaries about Italia ninety and that summer that changed football. I think they've both got very similar titles as well do you think the last two tournaments which were as successful and in one case more successful than those will in 25 years be heralded in the same way as Euro 96 and Italia 90 and that and also could this one could you ever imagine watching a documentary about that incredible summer of 2018 or the incredible summer of 2021 or are things different or I don't I don't I can't and do you know what I mean I can't work out whether they'll be heralded in the same way I, I, I tell you what will decide that fact is what happens now you know if we're about to if we win the World Cup or if we go through a period of success where we're in the finals you know I think no one will care about 2018 and 20 they'll, they'll become footnotes and I think the, the yeah. reason why Italian 90 stuck out uh, was because that was our highest achievement for a long time right up until yeah, 2018 yeah. Yeah. and also Euro 96 was the closest we'd come since 1966 to winning something and it was a home tournament you know so yeah. and like look at how bleak it was after that it was basically group stages of quarterfinals every time um, so, so, so if I think, you're, I think if the, you're the, the part legacy, of the 2020 squad, you're desperate for England to fail now to really, <laughs> to, to really guarantee <laughs> to really clear your legacy. The documentary, the documentary front in 30 years. I definitely agree with with Chris there. I think what happens now will be integral to the sort of legacy of the two previous two tournaments. I think, regardless, for some people, the last three to four years will be their Italia 90 will be their Euro 96 because there are people that this was their formative experience of following England of being a football fan but I think what's lacking and I think is a big part of it is contextually the landscape of football in the late 80s and then into the 90s and the change that was happening around it with the rule changes the Bosman rule the advent of the Premier League that can't exist now and I think it, we, we can't look away from how much of an impact that had on the decade and our experience of it as well. So I think even if England crash out in the group stages now and this is the high watermark of this generation and future decades of England fans, I think it is lacking 
that extra momentum that came from the entire game changing and also i think we've touched on it as well like the sort of the political landscape you know Britpop, new labor all of that all of that fed into yeah. it as well so i think you know perhaps there is a labor keir starmer victory down the line an england win or a glorious defeat in the semis or the final and in 20 or 30 years time there are people sat there talking about this period in the same way that we are i don't, I don't think, think it exists. Do you know what, I, what I'd compare it to? What I'd compare it to? That there will never be a band again as big as the Beatles. Because and it, I'm not saying, oh, One Direction could get so many number ones, etc., etc. But the fact that they came along at that exact point and they intercepted social change and all of that kind of thing. That's not going to happen again. You're going to get big bands, but you're never going to get bands that have the impact of that first kind of thing where it totally changed. It was inherent in the change in society. But, but I think you will get cultural moments of a different kind that will be memorable to a whole new generation, yeah. things that never happened before. I'm speaking specifically about the guy in Leicester Square who stuck a firework up his bum. Like, <laughs> that will, that will be, that's the new Beatles. That is the things that people were... No I one has that, ever done that I before. fear that's our Mark Chapman moment. That's what I fear that is. <laughs> the 66 that had Kenneth Walston home... In 2021, we had the bloke was sticking a firework up his ass. Well, maybe we should talk a little bit about Southgate. Obviously, this is a at its heart a 90s football podcast, and you kind of forget that Southgate has had a renaissance. He's this new man. I don't, I don't really even associate the Southgate who just crushed our dreams in '96 with the man who now so brilliantly leads this England team. And I, I'd, I'd, I'd be interested in through both of your thoughts on, on Southgate because up until a, maybe a week ago, I was kind of ready to say goodbye to the Southgate era. But having spoken to a few people at the FA, and they really just kind of pressed on me the, the cultural change that has happened there and kind of telling me what it was like to work Is with it, like Hodge, Hodgson I, and, can I just and say, that era. Are you telling us that your friends are Subert Miller Chip? <laughs> <laughs> Is that what you're telling us, Chris? You keep dropping it in. I I can't reveal my sources. You don't even need kind of people who work at the FA to tell you this. You just look at, remember how awful it was under Hodgson. And and, and maybe West Ham fans are a bit guilty of this now under Moyes, where you're like, okay, he's taken us as far as he can. It's time to change. Well, actually, just remember how how far we've come. Is it Charlton post Kirbishly? Yeah, you know what I mean? (laughs) It's Charlton going, I'm quite bored of finishing eighth. Yeah, I'm bored. Yeah, give me something else. Congratulations. Welcome to League One. (laughs) I've actually gone the other way. And so now I'm having been, I saw Jamie Carragher say this. Okay, he's taken it as far as he can. It's time for someone else to take over and see where he can take us. Well, actually, no, I I think he's taken us on such a great journey that actually I don't mind if he stays. In fact, I kind of prefer it. He's taken us as far as he can. But that's really far. If he can take us that far again, if that's the par score for where Gareth Southgate <laughs> takes England, fine. Yeah, okay, here's a question. What would you be happy with then? Realistically, my frustrations with Southgate come from the fact that I think everything that's positive about him and what he's done for the England team, we've discussed. But I do genuinely think he was almost exclusively responsible for losing both the semi-final in Russia and that final with his choices tactical choices substitution choices the timing of all of them so is there a point where someone can get this England's 
a team to that place because it's at that place because like Chris said they are world class players playing in arguably the best league in the world so there well, is just a level there that supersedes whoever the manager is and actually what we need is someone who's a bit more astute who's better at man management I'm, I'm going to come out and make a controversial statement yeah I think the quality of the England squad is hugely overrated <laughs> <laughs> at player for player I th- people go, this is the biggest talent pool well, uh, we've ever had. Anyone that says and that is like, insane. Are, are you fucking high? We've got... <laughs> our main two centre-backs can't get in the first team at their clubs. Like Stones <laughs> and Maguire. <laughs> our goalie plays for Everton, right? And not in a Neville Southall way. <laughs> <laughs> our defence is abominable. Calvin... Like, you're like... People are people are so obsessed with the fact we've got quite a lot of good wingers and number tens. They don't look at the fact we've literally got one good striker, and if he gets injured, it's Marcus Rashford who isn't. You know, he's not fucking Robbie Fowler. He's not Les <laughs> Ferdinand. Do you know what I mean? Like the quality of this squad versus the quality of the France '98 squad or the Euro '96 squad or any of those later Bobby Robson squads. This is not nearly as good. So are you saying we and should so, give Southgate so more I'm not, credit? So I'm saying so. everyone that's going... Yeah, so I'm saying definitely everyone that's going, this squad should be... Let's not forget, you say he tactically made some mistakes, and I agree with that, but you've also got to give him credit for the formation he started with against Italy, leading to Kieran Trippier crossing for Luke Shaw to score after two minutes. They are not players who should be involved in a goal in the in a major international tournament final. <laughs> so there are there are positives from like he's not sat there with fucking Cafu Roberto Carlos making them play <laughs> eleven behind the ball. But what I'm saying is this England squad that there's so much excitement about the fact we we've, we've got quite a lot of good young players. But in reality, Calvin Phillips has been rushed back from injury because he's so necessary to the squad. <laughs> I think, if anything, we've overachieved in the last two tournaments. There you go. I've said it. I, I feel like Harry Kane is probably the second best striker in the world behind Erling Haaland. I think Phil Foden, I, I think he's going to be up there with Messi. I really do believe that. And Guardiola said something similar. He is so good when you watch him play. I think he is one of the best players in the world. If anything, I think Phil Foden's probably a little bit underrated. Actually, yeah. And another player, I actually heard, saw an interview with Sergio Aguero this morning saying that if Declan Rice played in the top six, he would be in the same conversation like Casemiro and some of the greatest midfielders in the world at the moment. But, I don't know if you saw that. I think it's, you know, like previously... It's always like, well, we've got some good players, but we're, it's not a full squad. You look, at, you look at the France squad. Do you know what I mean? You know, I, say, I think I said this before, but I, I look at those... I think those international squads are just as kind of um, patchy as ours, really, in terms of like, you know, like Richarlison getting the call to Brazil. I know I mentioned that before. I, I think it's fine. I know, look, I know every position isn't like a regular starter at a top, top club. But I no, mean, no, no, I'm, not, I'm not saying this. Playing... I'm just saying that there's this kind of feeling that with this squad Gareth Southgate should be winning tournaments and you're like yeah, yeah no, I, I don't yeah. know if that's fair and I don't think you can blame it's not like he's he's not left Tony Adams at home well he has left Tony Adams at home but he's not left he's <laughs> on Strictly yeah but um, I don't I haven't met a single England fan who's like we're gonna win the World Cup 
I think the broad base of England fan is is exactly as you described, Josh. Like, oh, I've got a bad feeling about this. I think that is actually yeah. the the emotion of all England fans. I've got a f- as someone who loves Gareth Southgate, I would take us going out early and him leaving, just <laughs> just so that people understood what he'd done, so we can move on to the period when people go, "Oh God, you don't know what you got till it's gone." Do you know what I mean? <laughs> But wouldn't, wouldn't you got, rather the, the better version of that is us doing well, him recognising that and walking away on a high? I worry anything below, you know, a glorious quarterfinal defeat and I think his legacy is protected. But I think a bad performance here, the way that sort of English football fans and English press in particular will turn on an England national manager means that that's going to be the cloud that hangs over him and people will then begin to rewrite history as I'm sure I have and gone, well, we should have won that final against Italy. And we'll ignore because then that's the thing that leads the narrative. It's almost a tail wagging the dog. I don't know. I think, um, well, I suppose it depends on the person after you. Bobby Robson had some terrible tournaments and uh, is still considered in a... it's, It's difficult to know. I've got to ask a question then, which we... I don't think we were going to discuss, but this has got to be asked. Gareth Southgate leaves. I'm going to give you the odds on the next England manager. Oh, wow. I, do, yeah. I was just thinking that. I've got no idea who... That's do you want to have a guess? I mean, who the, who it, the favourites been, are? It would have been Graham Potter before the Chelsea move. Yeah. Okay. Favourite to be the next England manager at 5-1 to one is uh, Northern Ireland's Brendan Rodgers. Oh, Jesus. Really? I want you to both tell me how you think this would go. What, a, tell me whether you think it would happen, and B, whether you think it, how it would go. Um, I think it would be... I think he'd have to work really hard to get the buy-in from a large percentage of that squad for his sometimes unconventional methods and uh, man management yeah. style. I think we'd have a brilliant qualifying campaign, and then I think, like a lot of managers at a level... You know, certainly when sort of certain managers go to a bigger club that's beyond their reach. I'm thinking yeah. David Moyes, Martin O'Neill, Roy Hodgson. I think the wheels would come off spectacularly in the first tournament, and I think he would. It would just all go to shit. Skull. I think he's quite well. He's quite a disciplinarian, isn't he? Like, I think the good thing about Gareth Southgate is he's a little bit cuddly. He will put his arm around you. I'm not sure um, Rogers is that kind of manager, but I think he's got a reputation of being far more tactically astute. So I guess that that's the trade-off, really, isn't it? Six to one, Pochettino. Absolutely not taking that job, surely to God. Is he? No. Has he got that desperate? No, he's not taking it. I think he's available. I think he would be really good as well. I think he's got the good yeah. personality type. He's clearly like the players yeah. love him, but I don't think he's taking that job. No Seven chance. to one, Thomas Tuchel. No chance. No. A, a German Eight in charge one. of the English national team. Can you see that? I well, I, I I I'll be honest with you. I don't think it would be us that was blocking it. I think it would be Thomas Tuchel himself. <laughs> Go, no, eight, eight to one, Eddie Howe. He's not taking that job, is he? You're no. not leaving Newcastle at this point, are no, you? No, no, absolutely I don't think so. not. Certainly not without a doing at the moment. But but, but um, did the FA? Because it was always the best paid job, wasn't it? The England manager. Would you think that's still the case now? No. I don't know. No chance. No. Eddie Howe would be on a lot yeah. more money now than he is. Than or he, he will in his FA. next contract. Yeah. Uh, Graham Potter, twelve to one. It feels like a weird time for him to. Take the it would job. probably be, mm. but Potter would probably be my pick. I I, think. I, I, I'd put a hundred quid on that now because I think the Chelsea experiment is going to go wrong. Probably just in he time. Do you think that, that yeah. would cost him the England job? 
Mm, maybe, maybe not. I think historically the FA, if they've got someone in mind, you know, Southgate didn't deserve to get this job, arguably based on managerial experience. So I think they'll look beyond that. I think they look for as much for the personality. You know, they look for good travellers themselves, the FA. And yeah. Potter, Potter seems like a good traveller. Here's, here's a good one. 16 to 1, Frank Lampard. <laughs> well, you know, yeah. I've said this, you know my feelings on this. Like, in the same way that Franz Beckenbauer and some of the great international oh managers have just, just no, throw no, them in no. there. No, throw them don't, in there. don't. Why are you I'm fucking joking? I've got, a, be- I've got, got a better idea. We talked about redemption arcs on this show before. Joint managers, Lampard and Gerrard. Finally, <laughs> finally they make it work. <laughs> That's how we win the next World Cup. Well, you can get 18 to 1 on Gerard, and you can also get 18 to 1 on Wayne Rooney. Yeah, never happening. But I mean, well, I'd take Wayne Rooney, to be honest. Like, I well, like, sh- I think we've never, England have never really done that, but so many other nations have had fantastic success by just putting someone who was a, a really established international player, put him with a good coach, and let them do it. They know what works. They'll know what works. I think we should try it. I, but. Normally, it's someone who... Well, it's kind of what we're doing now, I suppose, in a way. But normally, it's someone who's got either no record, like Klinsman. Yeah. It's very rarely someone who's got a bad record as a manager. (laughs) It's someone who relegated Derby. Steve Cooper, 16 to 1. Arsene Wenger, 25 to 1, etc. Lee Carsley, 25 to 1. Lee Carsley? Does Lee Carsley work for the FA, presume? He must do, right? He must be like the under-21s coach. Yeah. They haven't just put a bet. Yeah, there's a picture of him in an England jacket. I think so does Yeah, he's head of England under-21s. Imagine, imagine if he wasn't and they just punted on Lee Carsley. <laughs> <laughs> no, odds, no odds for Sam Allardyce, no? No odds for Sam Allardyce. I do apologise. Wales. Yes. How are we feeling about Wales. I'm I'm really excited for them. I'm not looking forward to playing for, playing against them, but I think it's, it brings wonderful colour to the World Cup. I'd like you just. I'm want, excited to see their fans. You want as many uh, British teams as possible, don't you? Really, it's more yes. exciting because because you're desperately looking for a buy-in into every game. So it's exciting when Wales are there or Scotland or Northern Ireland or even the Republic of Ireland, which I know isn't in the United Kingdom before. You email in. Um, <laughs> who is going to be your second team? Oh, Wales. 100% Wales. Um, who's your second team, Michael? Well, I'm going to say something that might be slightly controversial in that, and this isn't in a kind of like negative tribal way. I just don't care about the other home nations. They, they. I think apart, that's. I think that's nice to hear. I think that's refresh, a refreshing apart, take. Apart from <laughs> Big Jack's Republic of Ireland. Who you know? Had yeah, a big which kind of home nation? Just to repeat. Yeah, obviously, just to repeat. Um, but they had a sort of circus feel to them, and it wasn't just because yeah. they had a lot of English players. Like, I. But they had lovely fans. I have a sort of, and it's a, just a friendly indifference. Like prior to being friends with Ellis, I had absolutely no stake or interest in what Wales did or had done <laughs> in any major tournament. And I still don't. I don't have really have any Scottish friends. I know they're not here, but like doesn't impact it. I don't have any Northern Ireland or Republic of Ireland, not home nation friends. So like I don't it just doesn't matter to me. I'm far more interested yeah. in like buying into whatever the narrative of the smaller minnow nations happened to right, form yeah, yeah, yeah. during the World Cup, you know. The whole Iceland thing was a lovely little narrative oh, that buy into yeah. you get to know about, you know, not just their country but also their footballing history and heritage as a nation. I like it when the fans bring just a 
bit of something different and a different flavor you know yeah. we all know what the fucking brazilians are like and what they bring to it i was going to say a good one last time was obviously narrative wise denmark everyone adopted yeah. denmark after what happened with christian Eriksen, stuff like that when you're attached to a team that you didn't know you were going to attach to. Yeah. Cameroon in 1990. Yeah, and those knockout Bulgaria. games. Or even not the knockout, you know, the group game where it's like the table will swing over the course of those. Yeah. Lot. I love that. It's one all. That means Denmark are going out. Oh, no, the other team have conceded. Denmark are through. Like, that's yeah. the real kind of jeopardy and the excitement for me of certain elements of the World Cup. My second team, though, uh, is Canada because my mum is Canadian, Ooh. so I'm half Canadian. And this is oh, that's exciting. First, that is exciting. Has Carlo Corazin made the squad again? <laughs> <laughs> I would be surprised if they get a win. I think a draw or even a single win in the group stage would be... Have they got a good group? Progress. I don't think it's likely to happen again in my, my lifetime. I have a lot of Canadian family um, who are very excited by this World Cup and have sort of been messaging me because they don't really understand football or soccer. But they're obviously got a national pride behind it, but they're just asking questions about the World Cup as an experience because for them, it's ice hockey. Like, that's their big sport. So they don't, you know, they'll go... Tough, tough group, Canada. Who have they got? Morocco, Belgium and Croatia. Oh, yeah, they're not getting out of that. (laughs) (laughs) Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I yeah I I am excited also I'm slightly worried about uh us playing Senegal in the second round I think they might be quite that's my I a lot of my stuff is I I already look for the routes that England could take so I'm desperate for France not to top their group because then if we get to the quarter final we don't have to play France yeah you can't worry, but what you realise though is you can't worry about those things because oh, you, you will play a good hand. But also, they play such a massive part in what happens in the tournament. Like, if we'd have gone the other route in the previous tournament, yeah, we are having a very, I, very different conversation about everything that surrounds this tournament. Well, that's the thing. With that's the thing. I disagree with the view that you're just going to play the good team, so you might as well do it early because. Yeah. 
There's a difference between playing them once and playing four different good teams in a row. So I have, I have no issues if winning the World Cup means we've only played Canada, Qatar. It, it makes no. I don't care if if in ten years time someone yeah. goes, yeah, but look who you beat. I don't, I don't care. How many people could yeah. tell me the <laughs> well, route exactly. of each previous World Cup winner? Oh like, no, what no they? one cares. Yeah. Also, yeah. we we. Uh, historically have gone out to easy teams. So beating an easy team is still an achievement more than we've done before. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It doesn't invalidate going... You've still got to beat the easy teams. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, It's funny, although, although you're both quite pessimistic, a lot of this chat has been, what are we going to do when we win? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But, that, but you've got to remember, Chris, I thought we were going to win the World Cup in Euro 2000. I mean, that, the Euro is in Euro 2000. 2014. I remember in 2014, we lost both our first games to Uruguay and Italy. And there were still three fixtures left. And if all three fixtures went in the right way, I th- we would have got through from the group. And I still thought we were going to qualify from the group, despite losing <laughs> our first two games. <laughs> so all it would have taken was Italy beating Uruguay and Costa Rica and us beating Costa Rica. And you think, well, those three for things will probably happen. <laughs> and then... None of those fixtures ended in the way you hoped. But that, that is the duality of being an England fan, isn't it? Like Chris said, it's sort yeah. of, there is the hope and the pessimism. It's just wrapped up in your DNA of following yeah. England for your lifetime. Like you can't shake it. Talking about this now, I'm like, I want to say, actually, I take it all back. I, I think we're going to get to the semis or beyond. But I'm not going to embrace that. Last time round, we embraced it and it was glorious and it was amazing. But if anything, I think this tournament might open up some wounds that I've been yeah. burying since yes. the Euros and the World Cup. Yeah. So we're going to see what happens in the next four weeks. So, you know, this is better than a lot of tournaments we've gone into. Let's remember that, right? Let's look at a positive by looking at a negative from the past. So I'm going to ask a question. And the question is, what is your single worst tournament as an England fan? Which tournament did you find the most, uh, most upsetting? Chris, I'd like uh, to... of one we uh, then the rule is we have to have qualified for it. We have to have qualified for it, yeah. Okay. I, so. Although I would say I didn't go through USA ninety four morning. Ah, uh, you know. No, I did it actually. Yeah, yeah. I kind of, in, in, in a way, I think I might have said this before, but I enjoyed the fact it was kind of it was just a festival of football without too much of a stake in it. Exactly. It's free. It's, exactly. It's like when you don't like the headline at Glastonbury. There's no pressure on you to enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> okay Chris uh, okay I mean for me I, th- I don't know how other listeners feel about this but there's two clear terrible World Cups and they've both come recently and they're both back to back which was 2010 and 2014 yes 20, 2010 that was the one where that's obviously South Africa we drew with the United States up front and then the, was it a draw with Algeria I think we discussed yeah. it earlier in the episode and then a, a scraped a 1-0 win over Slovenia to progress. And it's it, it just a disaster, wasn't it? Yeah. And then 20, 2014, 2014, that we're getting beat by Uruguay and Italy. In a way, kind of the peak Hodgson or, or the bottom of the barrel Hodgson. I don't I know. If, uh, 2016 was surely peak Hodgson. Peak Hodgson. Oh, you're right. Hodgson. I can't <laughs> believe we don't look back on that as, as more of a... Of course, Gareth... Roy Hodgson's reign as England manager is inexorable. It is 
is unforgivable. This is where really what, what's changed my opinion on Southgate is I've started looking at the Southgate era through the lens of the fact it came after Hodgson. Yes. Do you know what I mean? How can, you, how can anyone ever be Southgate out when you look at what Hodgson did, specifically at the 2014 World Cup? Major and Blair. That's all I'm saying, Chris. Major. <laughs> um, could I could I put a vote in for uh, Euro 2000? Yeah. Because because I tell you why Euro 2000. 2010 was dog shit, but it followed when we weren't even in. 2014 <laughs> was bad, but we hadn't been good for years. 2000 was following France 98, which was glorious, even though we went out in the second round. Euro 96, which was obviously Euro 96. And then we just went out in the groups to Romania. We went 2-0 up in the first game to Portugal and then lost 3-2. But we said we did beat Germany at Euro 2000. Yeah, I know. But us beating Germany there was the two... It was like two... Well, not great. That says a lot about England. But it was like two great prize fighters you know playing you know fighting at the age of 50 and counting it as a kind do you know what i mean it was us both at our lowest ebb i know do you know what as well like i go into every tournament thinking oh my god we can win this and i felt exactly that way about euro 2000 i know and then you remember then you remember god phil neville's bringing down a romanian to give away a last minute penalty like phil neville it could always be worse than now we've got to remember (laughs) this is a different era to that Michael, any to add to that? Uh, no, I think you've covered all of the big hitters. Um, I think, yeah, 2000, I hadn't really thought about it. It sits in this kind of weird middle ground where it's not 90s. It's not the sort of horrible. I mean, probably 2000 is, is uh, sorry, 2010 is probably my least favourite because there was a part of me that really, I believed that Fabio Capella was a man. I believed that for the first time we had genuinely a world-class manager a tactician a yeah. man manager i was all for the disciplinarian i was all for yeah you they shouldn't be having fucking fun. you didn't want they, ketchup <laughs> hey i ketchup for me is the nectar of the gods i have it every single day i'd give it up in a heartbeat for the right manager and i thought he was the right manager and <laughs> and we were wrong we were wrong and I, I think that was the last time pre-southgate i had any kind of genuine hope or genuine belief the Hodgson era I just I knew it was like well this is just not going to end well it's not going to work quick supplementary question your manager of England are they allowed ketchup I would insist they (laughs) bathe in it after the games (laughs) do you know what's weird about the Capello era as well it's like you think Capello I mean all he's achieved in the game a real titan someone who you feel yes this person knows what they're doing and then you look He's calling up Jimmy Bullard and David Bentley. <laughs> you know I mean, like, did we get the real Capello or his brother? How did that? No, happen? Well, How did that even I, happen? I think there's something that happens with foreign or European coaches. You know, you see it with um, Ancelotti, who came to Everton, and, and everyone were like, "Oh, guy, this is a spent force. He's just cashing his check." And then he leaves, and he goes and does what he's done with Real Madrid over there. I just think sometimes, and I think probably it's our fault. Like it's time to look at what is what's the consistent thing throughout this, the thread through history. And actually Michael, you can't go victim blaming in these situations. You can't. <laughs> I I think England. I, I think the English mentality, I think the English team, and maybe to circle back, 
maybe that's Southgate's legacy. That is, he's changed that. Southgate yeah. is the man, like in a relationship, he's the girlfriend, he's the manager before the one comes in, the one you marry, uh-huh. the one that wins us the World <laughs> Cup. And you yeah. look back and you go, you don't get the glory, but yeah. years from now, decades from now, sat in a care home or in a rocking chair yeah. overlooking a lake, <laughs> a wry smile comes across your face as you remember Gareth and, and everything he did to make you the man in the team you are today. <laughs> yeah, with Sir Lee Carsley. <laughs> <laughs> he made Sir Lee Carsley what he is. Um, none of those Sir Lee Carsley statues would exist around Wembley <laughs> if it wasn't with Gareth Southgate. <laughs> We should start. We should start the campaign of Lee Carsley for England. On the topic of England at World Cups, I don't. You know, we've got to touch on this. We touched a lot on the Steve Hodge selling his shirt. I, this came to light today, guys. Today we are recording. The ball has now been sold. The guy who owned, owned the ball, obviously, yeah. Um, I've seen what the shirt thick fetched and gone fucking Nora. <laughs> <laughs> The ball's gone for two million quid. The hand of I mean, God ball. It's mad. Here's my issue with this. There's more than one ball. I knew you were going to say that. And this was no, my it's 1986, Michael. There was only but one they, ball. There's got to be at least two match balls. It's the World Cup. There's got to be. It isn't like under 10s in the wreck where you've got one mitre delta. And when that goes <laughs> over the train track, you're fucked. You're playing with like a plastic 99p shoot ball. I... I can see why people would pay a lot of money for it. Two million pounds is a lot when there could be another ball. Yeah. The shirt, fine. There's only the one shirt. The shirt makes more sense. I can give a shit about the ball. The shirt I buy. I wouldn't buy, but I buy that that's worth the ball. Yeah. Anyway, there's a twist. It's a bit more shrouded in mystery because because the the Maradona shirt is clearly his shirt. Do you know what I mean? It's got the number 10 on the back. Well, they even tried to argue that. There's there's gonna be loads of balls that look like that ball. Well, also, I, want to see, I want to see a handprint of yeah. Maradona on the I ball, the DNA is, tested. The ball is actually involved in the incident, whereas the shirt's not involved in the incident. The ball is part <laughs> of the contact with the hand, I suppose. I forgot he was topless during that handball. Yeah, <laughs> uh, there is a twist in the tale of this story. The person that sold it is the referee that didn't give the handball. Oh, come on. He was the man who owned the ball. What do you well, think? How, so what how do you think Peter Shilton is making of that? His own bad... He's like Matt Hancock in the jungle. He's profiting from his own bad decision-making. <laughs> That's a strange one, isn't it? I wonder at what... So, but has he had the ball the entire time? Then? Well, no one scored a hat-trick. Maradona got two. So had Maradona scored a third, he would have kept the ball. But I suppose the referee gets to keep the ball, does he? Is that how it works? Is, that how it, is, is he just smuggling it out of the state? Is that how it happens in all these games then? Yeah, I imagine, happens? especially back then at the end of the match, they probably do, or at least him or one of his assistants walk off the pitch with the ball. And then if he's astute enough, he's decided, uh, hold on a minute, this might be worth £2 million in four years' time. <laughs> do you think in the tunnel... He's been he's walked out with the ball. Steve Hodges walked out with a shirt. They both winked at each other. <laughs> yeah, it's like the end of Ocean's Eleven. They just met at the fountain in Rome. It's just. <laughs> I wonder if other people are holding in, onto bits of that. His boots must be kicking around, mustn't they? That How neck. much do you think Shilton is kicking himself? Like the gloves he wore or the shirt, he could have flogged oh. all that. 
I'd be fascinated to know whether Shilton, were he to own a bit of the memorabilia, would be willing to accept the money, having taken such a stance on it. <laughs> yeah. I wonder what what do you think is the sort of the smallest thing involved in that moment or that game that is you could credibly sell at auction. He's but you're tie like, ups oh, on his socks. Yeah, it's like come Captain's on. Captain's armband. Really. Maradona's captain, isn't he? Did he sell? I pay, I, I pay good money I, I for think that. That's a good. I think that's a big one. The captain's armband. I think that's the yeah. next cab on the rank. Really, <laughs> I think that's better than Shilton's gloves, if anything. Because people are more interested <laughs> in Maradona than Shilton. Yeah, his shorts. How much are those? Those, yeah, th- yeah, those shorts, tight little shorts. shorts going for? They're quite iconic. <laughs> <laughs> his pants. Like how how low are we going here? Yeah. <laughs> oh right. wow, so, that's crazy. So ten in total. The shirt for sold for seven point one million. The ball's gone for three. So the pair of them ten million quid. That's yeah. crazy, isn't it? Well, that is mad. Here's a question for you two, and then we're going to pose it also to our um to our QK regulars. What one piece? of World Cup merchandise would you love to lay your hands on? Not just financially, but just in terms of something that you'd go, oh, that that would be the thing I want. Well, but, but, I, I know mine. I, I know it because I'd say at least once a month for the past 10 years, drunkenly scouring eBay for one of the original Italian 90 Fiat Pandas that they released. Oh, what, the actual cars? The actual cars that have got Chow uh, <laughs> logo on it. And there are a few in existence. The problem is they're so badly made, those Fiat's. Over the years, they've just kind of yeah. rusted away and broken down. That now they tell you what, the like... way Italians drive. Am I bloody right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I've got two. I'd either go with the boot that comes off. Uh, you know when the guy fouls Claudio Canigia and the boot comes off him? <laughs> the Cameroon guy. Either that boot or the Lucasade bottle that's used to spray Gaza's uh, face. Oh, oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. How about <laughs> or or how about uh, Jack Charlton's cap from USA '94? I like that. <laughs> and my mind immediately went to the Jules, the original Jules Rimet trophy, which was lost by the Brazilian team in 1970, wasn't it? Melted down or something like that. Was it? Um, it, oh, the Jules Rimet Trophy's got an astonishing history. I've just, just looked it up now. So the Brazilian team won it for the third time in 1970, and they were it was agreed they could keep the trophy, for the real trophy, in perpetuity. That had been stipulated by Jules Rimet himself in 1930. Yeah. The, t- the first thing to win it three times could keep it. So they kept it from 1970 to 19, December 1983, when the wooden rear of the cabinet was found open by force by a crowbar, and the cup had been stolen. The four men were tried and convicted in abs- absentia. The trophy has never been recovered, but is widely believed to have been melted down and sold. Have they, have they got rid of that rule? Can a team win this trophy three times? Surely That's someone has question. by now. Surely Brazil Argentina, has. Tw- Brazil, 94, 2002. Have they won it since? They haven't won it since 2002, have they? Have they... Are they not giving it to Germany on a technicality? Because West Germany won it in 74 and 90, and then Germany won it in 2014. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, possibly. Do let us know. <laughs> Email in. Uh, so. The current trophy cannot be won outright, according oh, to FIFA's regulations. Boo. And in fact, the winning team doesn't get to keep it. Oh, the winning boo. team won't receive that a bronze replica, spirit. which is gold-plated rather than crap, solid gold. Crap. Wouldn't it be exciting if someone got to keep the trophy? It'd be so much more exciting. I'd and just then, about to say, yeah. I'd like to see announcing a new trophy. the new trophy. Yeah. 
It's where it's seven. The current World Cup trophy is seventy five percent gold. That's pretty astonishing. I know someone who's held it and told me it was really heavy. I suppose the final question. We I think we asked this before the last tournament, and I'd like to see whether your views have changed. Would you accept England winning this tournament, but in exchange they never qualify for an international tournament again? You get the glory. It's a World Cup. And then, Chris, you've already said you don't like it when England, you enjoyed USA 94. You can enjoy all the other World Cups stress-free. <laughs> yes or uh, no? Very simple. I guess another way to frame that question is, you know, would you like to see England win something in your lifetime? And right now I would say, yeah, just once. I would be happy with once. I think any of us would. So I've kind of really framed that question and ended up with the answer, yes. I want to see England oh, win something. It's a no from me. I don't want us to win it in Qatar. That's yeah. the first thing. And the second thing is, I I don't know what my life would be like if England had won a tournament. It'd be rudderless. I like I like the journey. I like the constant wanting us to win. And I quite happily us never win it. And I don't know what it'd be like the tournament after we'd won it. I don't like you, that. I don't but I, I'm surprised by that answer because with one win of a tournament, you're putting to bed 1966, which as we all know is your least favourite tournament victory. Rubbish, overrated. <laughs> What do you think, Michael? Uh, I guess one clarification I'd need is, do I know when we win it that we're never going to qualify again or am I coming into it? No, you don't know. You don't know. You don't know. That's tough then. I think I'd take the win because I don't believe we're going to win it in my lifetime. And although the disappointment would sort of settle in. I think by tournament three, I'd realise, oh, right, there's some kind of curse here. The the anger in this nation as we failed to qualify for the 10th tournament in a row. Yeah, but we'd always, we'd have that World Cup win and I think I could always lean on that. I think it's better to have loved than lost than to have never truly loved. Yeah, well, there we go. One last thing. Who do you least want to win the World Cup? Brazil. Brazil. I hate Neymar. Really? I, I think, yeah, yeah, I can't I, stand him. I can't stand him. I, I think he's everything that's wrong. Without being an old man Neymar. yelling at clouds. Neymar, uh, sorry, Neymar, yeah. I, I think ev- yeah. everything about him is... I'd hate him to win the World Cup. Also, he backed Bolsonaro as well, so yeah. that just uh, that just absolutely <laughs> underlined in my head, this man is not for me. Chris, who do you least want to win it? Oh, I wouldn't uh, want Qatar to win it either. I think that would be awkward what? for the world. <laughs> That would be. I don't know how. What what would we do with ourselves? I'd hate USA to win it. That would be a real shame. No, um, I don't. You know, I don't really. Mind, but maybe Portugal. Like the idea of Ronaldo. Oh yeah, that would be bad. I think that'd be up there. And like, even though I've said I really want Wales to do well, I don't want them to actually win it. <laughs> yeah, that would be. Yeah, that would be more than happy for you to fail valiantly in the final. But if you were to lift the trophy, that would. I'd find that difficult. <laughs> Uh, for me, though, I I would love to see Messi. I'd love to see Messi lift up the World Cup. I think it would be a real shame to, yeah. for the greatest yeah. player to ever play the game not to lift that. Well, uh, the tournament starts on Sunday. England start on Monday. And we will be doing three episodes a week. Two on our fan club, anotherslice.com forward slash quickly, Kevin. The first episode of the week will be available for everyone on our feed. So sign up to the fan club to journey through the tournament with us. At the last tournament, it was genuinely one of the best months of my life. And this was something that I loved being involved in. It's the only way to travel through the tournament with fans rather than with Jonathan Wilson discussing the tactics of a team you don't know any of the players of. So... As much as I love Jonathan Wilson, I should add. (laughs) 
Um, so do sign up and we will see you there. We look forward to it for all the caveats that come with this tournament. We look forward to enjoying it with you. Chris, do you want to do your tournament sign-off? I'll let you get off. Jordan Lechkov. Go, Lech! Hit Lech! Hit Lech over the top! This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side-by-side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today.